From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Delighted that you've joined us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. Today we continue a series of studies on the doctrine of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought taken from the pen of the great 19th century preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is entitled Real Estate in Heaven. The text is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 34. Knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. This is well. Our substance here is very unsubstantial. There is no substance in it. But God has given us a promise of real estate in the glory land. And that promise comes to our hearts with such full assurance of its certainty that we know in ourselves that we have an enduring substance there. Yes, we have it even now. They say a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. But we have our bird in the bush and in the hand too. Heaven is even now our own We have the title deed of it. We have the earnest of it. We have the first fruits of it. We have heaven in price, in promise, and in principle. This we know not only by the hearing of the ear, but in ourselves. Should not the thought of the better substance on the other side of Jordan reconcile us to present losses? Our spending money we may lose, but our treasure is safe. We have lost the shadows, but the substance remains, for our Savior lives, and the place which He has prepared for us abides. There is a better land, a better substance, a better promise, and all this comes to us by a better covenant. Wherefore, let us be in better spirits, and say unto the Lord, Every day will I bless thee, and praise thy name for ever and ever.
If you've been blessed by the beautiful sacred music which forms a part of Let the Bible Speak, you may obtain a CD containing a sampling of these Christ-honoring selections. Entitled Our Great Redeemer's Praise, this CD will provide you with nearly an hour of such beloved pieces as Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven, Be Still, My Soul, May the Mind of Christ My Savior, and In Heavenly Love Abiding. These songs are performed by the various musical groups of Bob Jones University in Greenville, South Carolina. This CD is available free of charge to our Let the Bible Speak listeners. To obtain a copy, you may contact us by email, by telephone, or by regular mail. You may call 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. Or you may write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Ask for your free copy of Our Great Redeemer's Praise. Call or write for your copy today. Continuing his series on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, Dr. Cairns is dealing with the day of Pentecost, that great event that marked the inauguration of the New Testament church. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit on that day was the secret of the power of the early church, and that power of the Spirit is still the necessary ingredient for the church in this day. In the course of this message, Dr. Cairns has been demonstrating that The miraculous events of Pentecost were not part of some vision or psychological phenomenon. In explaining the meaning of Pentecost, Dr. Cairns will show that, primarily, it was a proclamation of Christ. Now Dr. Cairns continues this message, The Day of Pentecost. There is no naturalistic explanation possible of what took place in the book of the Acts of the Apostles, or particularly on the day of Pentecost. Peter in verse 16 gives us what it is. He says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is that that Joel spoke about. As I've said in Acts 1 and 5, the Lord Jesus calls it a baptism. 
I think the best explanation, or the best description rather I can give, is that in Acts 2 we have believers, Church of Christ, gathered together to receive a peculiar and overwhelming demonstration of the power of God the Holy Spirit. Now let's just get on a very practical level the impact of that. Here is the church to whom Christ has committed the commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Here is the church which has a message from heaven, which has a mandate from the Son of God, and yet to carry on the work of God, the first thing that church needs is a mighty demonstration of the power of God the Holy Spirit. And indeed, they were told that they should obtain this from the sovereign gift of God ere they could ever begin their work. Now, the most practical consideration that I can come to here is this, that the work of God always needs to be carried on in the power of God. The work of God can never be done by anything less than the power of God. The arm of flesh will fail us, and we dare not trust our own. I've been emphasizing again and again, as we have gone through the Scriptures, now for many months, on the doctrine of the person and work of the Holy Spirit, that there is no substitute in the Church of Christ for the Spirit of God. You can have all the committee meetings you want, you can have all the expertise that man is capable of. You can get all the computer information. There are people now that are dictating the growth of missionary movements by computers. Computers will say, here are your talents. There is a field with certain needs. Let's mesh the talents and the needs. Now, I'm all for bringing needs and talents together. But man, when you've got a computer in the place of God the Holy Ghost, when you've got men who can program a machine but can't spend a night on their knees before God, the church of Jesus Christ is in bad shape indeed. We need. We need the power of God. Now, do not misunderstand me. I am not what so many people call fundamentalist and obscurantist. Nice word, that. I'm not an obscurantist. I, I'm not saying there's no place for technology and all the rest of it in uh, the ministry of the church. Obviously, we use the tools that God has made available to us. Tools can never take the place of the Spirit of God. The work of God must needs be done by the power of God. When you turn to your Bible, you will find that throughout the Scriptures, at every great stage of the history of God's redemptive purpose, uh, there was an outpouring and an exhibition of divine power, there was the direct intervention of God. While we are not in a period of revelation, but rather of the interpretation of a given revelation, I'll come back to that later, that makes a world of difference to interpreting many scriptures. While that is true, 
yet we do need the intervention of God. Zechariah tells us it is not by might, nor by power, but it is by my spirit, saith the Lord. We would do well to pay attention to that. People play the numbers game nowadays. Good to see churches building up. Let me tell you, the work of God is not carried on even by multiplying thousands of people. Zechariah is saying, literally, it's not by armies. It's not by armies of men. But it is by the Spirit of the living God. No spiritual work can be done apart from the Spirit of God. Pentecost was a miracle of God's intervention. And as we proceed, we'll see that it is a miracle that has a, an impact even to this very day. Second thing I want to think about is the meaning of Pentecost. Verse 12, we have this question, what meaneth this? What meaneth this? Of course, there are always fools, mocking fools, servants of the devil, who will want to demean and discredit any work of the Spirit of God. Let us be very careful of that. Let us be very careful of that. I want to weigh every supposed work of the Spirit of God <coughs> against the Word of God. If it is basically unscriptural, I'll say so. Because I do not admit anything to be of the Spirit of God if the Word of God is against it. The Spirit never contradicts His Word. But on the other hand, we have got to be very careful <clears throat> that we don't end up with these mockers and discredit a genuine work of the Spirit of God simply because it doesn't run along the lines of what we expect and the peculiarly along lines of our interpretation on minor points of doctrine. For instance, I think of the work of God in the Isle of Lewis revival. Now there was a revival there, of that I am sure. I have met some of the fruit of that revival. I will not endorse everything that took place in the Isle of Lewis any more than I can endorse any, everything that takes place in this church. You, you get a group of people together, it's impossible that they'll all be perfect. And all that they do will be 100% right. But there was a revival in the Isle of Lewis for four or five years. God did mighty things. Now, I'm a free Presbyterian. There is a free Presbyterian church in Scotland. We have no denominational ties, though we have some good friends among them. It has always alarmed me that in the Isle of Lewis, the free Presbyterian church was not touched by revival. It has always alarmed me that they could live through four years of revival and because of a strict Calvinism and because they didn't think the evangelist was Calvinistic enough, they could wipe out as a work of the devil 
and a delusion. That which was to any seeing Christian mind palpably a work of God. God's people should never have the devil's vocabulary in their mouths. What meaneth this? Let's be careful that we don't end up with the mockers. What does it mean? Peter tells us, verse 16 and 17, it's that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and he goes on to quote from Joel chapter 2. In other words, Peter's saying, you want to know the meaning of Pentecost? Well, in fulfillment of the Old Testament scripture prophecy, this is the Holy Ghost filling all the disciples of Christ to commence the church's witness to her risen Lord as the all-sufficient Savior of sinners. Thus, when you go down the second chapter of Acts, you'll find that Pentecost was first a proclamation of Christ. You read from verse 22 onwards. Pentecost was a proclamation of Christ. And second, Pentecost, if you read verse 33 and verse 36, was a vindication of Christ. Now, I don't have time to pursue those ideas today. But when you get to the understanding of the meaning of Pentecost, those two things must be paramount. We have been seeing again and again through our studies in the Scriptures that the Holy Spirit can never be studied in isolation. For the Lord Jesus says He will not speak of Himself. And that means He will not speak in isolation. That's true. No Trinitarian person can ever work in isolation. There is that absolute oneness in the persons of the Trinity. But it also means that he is never going to turn attention upon his own ministry exclusively. Because that's impossible. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to give it a full theological jargon. It is a Christological ministry. It is a Christ-centered ministry. You can never understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit unless it is a proclamation of Christ and a vindication of Christ. Now, there are too many people who come to the second chapter of Acts bent upon the purpose of setting up their own position on such things as the baptism of, with, or in the Spirit. To set up their own position on the doctrine of tongues, etc. The minute I'm making no comment, pro or con, uh, anybody's view. But so many people come to this with a prior bent and bias to set up a given position, and there is little or no reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, my friend, you're not understanding what the Holy Ghost is saying or doing if you're not hearing a proclamation of Christ and if you're not seeing a vindication of Christ. Looking a little more closely at Acts chapter 2 and the meaning that Peter ascribes to Pentecost, uh, we could say that 
there are really two aspects to his uh, explanation. First of all, there is what I could call an inaugural aspect of Pentecost. Remember the word of Christ in Acts 1 and 5? It's called a baptism. Now, obviously baptism is an, an issue, an initiatory or inaugural rite. Baptism speaks as to water baptism of the entrance into the church, the entrance into faith in Jesus Christ. It's an inaugural rite. You remember in Christ's ministry, when he inaugurated his public ministry, he was baptized, and the Holy Ghost came upon him in the form of a dove. Now, once he was baptized, the years of solitude were over. The years of secrecy were gone. And now he was in the full-blown public ministry. Started with the baptism. Now we come to the ministry of the Church of Christ in Acts chapter 2. It has also had a period of secret waiting. Much shorter, but nonetheless, it has had a period of secret waiting. But now that period is over. And with this public baptism, as the Spirit of God comes upon them, the church's ministry is launched as a mighty public witness for Christ. In other words, what we have here is the inauguration or the constitution of the New Testament church as the witness to the risen Christ. Now Peter is at pains to say this is according to the scriptures from Joel 2, 28 to 32. Practical observation. The church, in its experience, can never go beyond scripture. You know, churches today would keep that in mind. It would clear up an awful lot of problems. The church, in her experience, can never go beyond Scripture. There is no experience that is valid for the child of God or for the church of God that is not solidly revealed and uh, given to us in the Word of God. listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at 1-864-244-2408. That's 1-864-244-2408. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. 
That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 